When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, I was just with this man in Ruston, Louisiana over the weekend calling Crimson Tide Baseball. Chris Stewart joins us now on Crimson Drive. And Chris, Roll Tide, it's good to see you again after we've had a couple of days to kind of rest a little bit after the baseball season came to an end. <laughs> Roll Tide, but hadn't you had enough of me, man? I mean, good grief. You know, football, <laughs> basketball, and baseball. Um, I certainly understand if, if I didn't hear from you for about three months, but it is good to hear from me and glad we got a chance to visit about um, – Unfortunately, a season that may have ended a little sooner than we would have liked, but one that probably lasted a little longer than many expected, given the circumstances of the year. Yeah, no doubt. And this is why the, we're having you on the first week of June for a reason. So yeah. it'll be a little bit yeah. before we have you on again. But um, no, it's a tremendous year for Brad Bohannon and the Crimson Tide baseball team. Let's take a few steps back to back in mid-February when this season started. Of course, we were still busy with basketball. You had a lot going on at the time, but we knew this baseball team would have some talent. Kind of what were some of your expectations going into the year for the Tide? Uh End of the year, excuse me, going into the year, I would say that the expectations were to be right where we wound up, and that's in a regional in postseason play. But that was based off of where we were 12 months ago when the season had ended. Uh, I guess it would be longer than that to say that it ended in the middle of um, what was really the 2020 season, just the week before SEC play was getting underway. And that tied team was sitting at 16 and one, and we had great hopes and in thinking that that was going to be a really special year. We may even have a chance to contend for a league title based on how the team looked at that point. But unfortunately, like so many other things that took place in the world when COVID struck, uh, it brought everything to a, a screeching halt. And so when you, you knew you had a lot of that team back, there was high expectation once again. Now, we knew we are losing a guy like Brett Auerbach, who was going to mean so much to the club. We knew you're losing a, a guy in Tyler Gentry that was going to mean a lot in right field. But what you didn't anticipate was having really almost 200 projected innings for your season lost, most of it before it ever really got going. And it started with Connor Prelip, a young man that many – draft projection board still to this day see as being a a number one draft pick maybe the first player taken but certainly a first round draft pick 
when he does come out. Um, but you, you only get him for one really big start. That was the opener of the season. And you only get him for maybe two other games after that because of some arm problems. Antoine John, who's going to be your Saturday guy, not available after just uh, less than a handful of appearances because of arm problems as well. And then a few other guys that at different points missed either the rest of the year or parts of it that made the uh, chewing gum and bailing wire act, if you will, that, that Brad Bohannon and his staff did to put this team in place, make them competitive, all the more impressive because it's tough enough to build a roster at the start, let alone build it when, or, or try to, repair it when it starts to fall apart due to injuries that are nobody's fault so that's where we were uh i would say that based on where we thought we might be where we probably finished right where we expected but based on how things played out it's an almost miracle that this team got into a regional and and was as competitive each weekend as they were And it's because a lot of players had to step up and most notably of anybody that had to step up this year for the Crimson Tide baseball team, at least in my perspective, it was Tyler Ross. You go from having a tough relief outing right after Connor Prelip opening day against McNeese to all of a sudden he's in the Friday role and he excelled in the role for so much of the season. He's a guy, Roger, that as you know, was probably going to be a long relief guy on the weekends or a Tuesday or Wednesday night starter in your midweek games and instead becomes your Friday guy in won six ball games during the regular season. That's amazing. Didn't get his second and third losses until, what, the, the last or next to last weekend of the season and the one that followed. So just incredible what he was able to do, and it really set the tone. You know, he wasn't a shutdown guy, but he was able to grind, give you a good outing each Friday night that even on the nights when he didn't win, at least kept you from having to burn the bullpen early which can really set you back for the entire weekend. And, and I thought the job he did to kind of set the stage and give you a fighting chance every Friday night you went out was indeed, I agree with you, was a major part of this team's success. And then he goes and hands the baton the next day to Dylan Smith, who, again, we didn't really know what we would have in Dylan Smith leading into the year. Now you get to the end of the season, all of a sudden he's one of the most talked about draft prospects on this team. Yeah, what we didn't know is that when Tyler would get through pitching on Friday, he would hide the bats on Saturday from the offense that was that was not exactly the way it played out but there were times where it felt like it that's for sure and uh you know the you talk about this a lot because you were background in pro baseball but uh records certainly can be deceiving and and the record for Dylan was not overly impressive but the record doesn't mean anything to the pro scouts who are watching because they know how good his stuff is and he threw well enough to have a record that perhaps with a little luck could have been flipped from what two and eight to maybe eight and two or, or whatever it turned out to be for him. He was really, really good in 16 appearances, had the ERA down to 3.84 for as many innings as he's through over 98 over the course of the year. That is really, really impressive at this level, especially with the, uh, the little amount of run support he seemed to get night in, night in and night out. Now, if we go player by player, this will take us an hour to get through, but I do have to highlight Chase Lee because of yeah. all the stories you've seen around Alabama baseball and your time behind the microphone, he's got to be one of the most unique to also be as effective as he was. Yeah, to go from a walk-on to a guy who's going to graduate early with a degree in aerospace engineering and is going to be a draft pick and is probably going to have a long career in professional baseball is just amazing. It speaks volumes to how hard he worked to make himself 
an elite college player. Speak to his character that he did not uh, give up when a lot of people would have on the front end of his career. Maybe, uh, you know, turned down in his first walk-on attempt. Was given the suggestion of go learn how to pitch sidearm and throw for a club team. That I'll be honest, until Chase showed up on campus, I didn't know we had a club team. And I've been around for more than 20 years in Tuscaloosa. So for him to take that, to learn from it, and to use it as an opportunity to uh, to get better and develop into a major factor for this team and this program is, is just a terrific story. And why we're so excited about what the future is going to hold for that young man. Because there is so much development that happens. We saw that with Coach Jackson and the uh, pitching staff. We saw that with the position players as well. Uh, we talked about it a lot, Chris, during the year that seven of the nine regular starting players never played an SEC ball game before, and they go out, get double-digit wins, and what's the toughest conference in the nation continues to prove to be the toughest conference in the nation, getting six teams now in Super Regionals. Yeah, Brad Bohan will tell you he's he's got a, a great staff. You What you have with Jason Jackson's pitching coach, as good as there is in the country, Jerry Zuli, an incredibly well-liked guy who's, who's worked very hard as well with that group. And you did. You had a – you know, we talk about the injuries on the pitching staff, but it happened with the position players as well and some key spots at key times. And guys just kept their heads down and kept working and found a way to get it done, found a way down the stretch to get themselves into the postseason. There's a really, really, really bright future ahead for what Alabama baseball is going to look at. And I think a lot of it's going to be based off of what happened with those guys this year and also what's been done by the staff in terms of recruiting to, uh, to build towards the future as well. And to help out a young lineup, you had to have a couple of veterans, Drew Williamson at first base for the Crimson Tide, and then Sam Prater behind the plate, and just a warrior of a season that he put together for Alabama, the way he was able to fight through some injuries early on, and even fight through some tough at-bats, but still get big home runs. No surprise, he ended up as the power-hitting leader of this team down the stretch. You know, Roger, we, uh, we knew that there was an injury or two that Sam was battling, especially early on, and and it was obvious that the ship, so to speak, took on some water with injuries such as the one to Prelip and Antoine John. But I'm telling you, we'd have had a major gash inside of the Titanic if, uh, if Sam had not been able to go and play at the level that he did. But he not only worked hard, got himself healthier, but became an elite player. You think about the talent there is behind the league, behind the plate in this league. And for him to be a first-team all-conference catcher, third-team All-American, where you have to do it not only defensively, but at the plate as well. And good grief, if that dadgum foul line was just over about 10 feet in Ruston, Louisiana, you and I might still be there uh, working a regional because he hit one that was almost the game-tying home run in the ninth inning against La Tech that certainly didn't lack for distance. It was just, uh, just foul by a few feet, but he is – he turned into a special player, and he's another young man that's got a bright, bright future that's going to be fun to watch. This athletic year was so odd for us not getting to be around the teams that we covered the same way. Yes, we were able to go to football games and, of course, uh, basketball. We didn't get to travel during league play. You guys were able to travel later on during the tournament. But we finally started to get to travel a little bit with this baseball team and see these players a little bit. And I think you and I got a good glimpse into the culture Brad Bohannon continues to build inside that locker room. Roger, it's the thing that I miss most about basketball. Uh, if football is so big, sometimes it's tough to get close anyway because it's, it's such a different animal. But it, there is a, uh, a proximity that you and I get with basketball and baseball when, in normal years where we really get a chance to know the, 
the kids well. And uh, they are kids to me now at my age. That, that's what they are. I've got, a, I've got a daughter that's classmates with many of these young people now as she's finished up her sophomore year at the university. But it's a, uh, it's a great group of young people in addition to the obvious, which is what tremendous student athletes they are. And everybody knows that. But we get to know what they're like as people by and large. And they are. They're, they're great to be around and great, great representatives of our school and the Crimson Tide and the script day and a chance to, to be around the baseball team was really nice. It was, it was somewhat limited, but by and large, it was the first time we'd felt normal in a long, long time and very grateful we got that chance. No doubt. It was not a normal year really for Alabama athletics from that perspective, but also just everybody kept winning titles, SEC titles left and right for everybody. Have you ever seen a year like Alabama put together across the board? No, uh, you know, you've had seasons where each of the teams that won have maybe won at that level, but to have it all in one season where everywhere you turned and know that the world just despised you. And I was okay with that. I had no problem whatsoever. You you call it fatigue for the rest of the world, but, uh, it was, it was wonderful for Alabama fans. And, and we put ourselves in that category, even though we're broadcasters, we get to know them and be around them and become fans of the individuals as well as the teams collectively. So uh, it was really special to see them have that type of success and, and be at the championship level that we know they're capable of and to have it happen as often as it did within one year academically is really, really special. I think we'll, we'll remember this for a long, long time because of COVID, the challenges that that brought, but the fact that the young people behind great leadership from their coaches and staffs could persevere through all of that and still uh, maintain success at the highest levels is something that I think will always be remembered from a historic level as one of the best ever. And one of the teams that got the most attention was the men's basketball team. And you've been the play-by-play voice of the men's basketball team for so long. You had to love the steps forward they took this year. And I imagine you got to be really excited about what's coming up this summer and once we get back into Coleman Coliseum this fall. You know, it's incredible. I was I was in the hallway at uh, Bridgestone Arena with Nate Oates almost a year and a half ago, not quite, I guess, in, in March of uh, 2020, excuse me, when we're getting ready to tape pregame. And he looked at me and said, I don't think we're going to play this tournament. And it was 15 minutes later or so that we found out that was the case. Uh, you told me the story. You saw it on online before I did that tournament had been canceled as we're standing literally courtside 10 minutes from going on air and to go from there where you're going we don't know what's going to happen to 12 months later confetti falling and Alabama winning an SEC tournament title on top of a regular season championship so special Uh, and again it's what makes it so fun so much fun to be around Roger great people great staff great results that you are that you know are not one and done championship years are exciting and fun anytime but it's a little different when you know man if we don't get it done this year there's not going to be a next year or it's going to be a while before we can get this back we know how disappointed we were when things ended in the sweet 16 with the tough loss to UCLA but I was amazed at how quickly people's attention as a fan base turned towards the next year We're losing incredible people in the senior class, 
but you're gaining an incredibly talented group of newcomers to go with the returning players. And I'm like you, man, I, I don't want to rush anything because I think we're going to be really good in football once again and all the other sports in the fall. But November in the mid part of that month can't get here quick enough because basketball is going to be an awful lot of fun once again. It certainly will be in mentioning uh, football as well. Uh, your co-host on the Nick Saban show, I guess maybe he's <laughs> takes center stage on that, but he's going to be around through at least 2028. 20, <laughs> if you want to nitpick, I tell you what, I'm a lot more confident in his future than mine. That's for sure. He, uh, he looks better than me. Health is really good. Um, now I'm not going to be shocked if, if there's not another new contract at some point before this wraps up, but boy, for Alabama fans, what a, what a wonderful thing to see. And for those that try to compete against the tide, they got to be shaking their head going, come on, where's the kryptonite? Uh, it's, it's just amazing and exciting to see the future. Great that the university and, and obviously our athletic director, Greg Byrne, were able to, to get things in place so that um, not only the Sabans know how much they're appreciated in, in Tuscaloosa, but it sends a message, obviously, to recruits both now and in the present, or excuse me, in the future, that uh, he plans to be roaming the sidelines and fussing and fuming as much as we uh, have seen for the last 14 years and hopefully with similar success. No doubt. And um, I'll. Last question to bring up, uh, kind of looks at the future as well for Alabama football. We know with the contract extension, Coach Saban through the 2028 season. Also was announced uh, earlier this week that Alabama will play Oklahoma State for a couple matchups coming up 2028 and 2029. And Chris, when you think about all the different trips that are coming up, all these great home and home series that Alabama is going to have against Texas or Florida State, West Virginia, Wisconsin, uh, you know, Oklahoma State being added, Notre Dame down the road, Virginia Tech you got to be tremendously excited that now we're getting back to so much more on-campus games. We always love the environment in Atlanta or Dallas, wherever it may be early in the year. But now there's going to be a lot of great trips coming up as well as great teams coming in for Alabama football. As long as we're winning, I don't care where we're playing, but I know what you're saying. And it will be, will be fun. And um, I remember going to Norman, Oklahoma for uh, one end of a home-and-home home back uh, when – when Coach Fran, his last year, and then Mike Shula's first year when they played the return game in Tuscaloosa. Uh, Norman's a great town, but OKC is, is less than an hour away as well. A lot of fans will stay there. It'll be the same type thing with Stillwater. So you get really kind of a two-for-one. You get a, a big city in o Oklahoma City and then the, the college environment of Stillwater that'll be fun. I'm sure Bama fans will make a, a couple of days or so out of that trip there a program with a really nice history and tradition. It'll be big when the tide goes rolling into Stillwater and it'll be fun to see the Cowboys guns up or not when they come to town, but we're, uh, we're looking forward to those games. And again, as you said, several that are, are like that on the horizon as well. Looking forward to it. And uh, Chris, it's now summer vacation time. So hopefully a little bit of rest coming up for you here a little bit after a very busy Alabama athletics year, but it's going to be here before we know it. Uh, we're talking side football again in August. <laughs> I need rest just because I'm old, Roger, not because I've worked too hard, because you know what this is like. It's uh, it's really special that this is what we get to do for a living. But I'm, I'm looking forward to playing a lot of bad golf. Now that there are no games or travel to mess that up, you, you've experienced bad golf with me before. So we'll look forward to doing that again very soon. But it's it's going to be a fun summer because we all start counting down the days. We're inside of 100 now from the start of football. And like we always say, can't get here quick enough. Absolutely. Roll tied to that. Well, Chris, thank you so much for coming on Crimson Drive. We'll check in with you very, very soon back here on the network. Better roll tide and look forward to it. 
Roll Tide, buddy. Thank you so much.